Hi, everyone. Welcome to Article 23, your podcast all about work. I'm James Hancock, Moi's lead here in the US, and I'm delighted to be joined this week by our CEO and co-founder, Rhonda Brighton-Hall. Rhonda, how are you? I am great. Yeah, great. How are you, James? I'm great. Uh, pretty You're good. Very up. I'm, it's very cold, and by very cold, I mean like two degrees Celsius, and in because it gets quite windy in the city, it feels like about minus five out there at the moment. I remember um, it well from Chicago, and I'll leave it with you as we head into summer. Yeah, that sounds really pleasant. <laughs> but we've been talking over the last few weeks uh, as a team, and we're always watching these things, but we've been looking at the pandemic, obviously. We've been looking at cases moving uh, typically upwards around the world, particularly here in the States. Um, we've been looking, at, and back home a little bit, we've been looking at global politics as well and the US politics. I've been looking at leadership and society and the implications uh, at work from all of those things. And when we were talking as a team, we've really honed in on a theme here. And the big theme we're seeing is basically division or divisiveness. We're seeing people being pulled further apart, not coming together on things. Uh, politics is a good example, but we thought this week we'd have a podcast all about the idea of division. What yeah, think? I, I think it's a great topic because I think it's, it's deeply concerning. And I think if we look um, to America at the moment, I mean, that divide that's opened up politically um, is pretty wicked, but it doesn't take much of, you know, as you quite rightly said, to step away from even politics, you can find this divide and its impact of the pandemic has been pretty wicked. Um, in Australia, we've got this state-by-state state divide. It's almost like we're no longer a federated country, which is really quite bizarre. Um, yeah. You've got families versus families. You've got partners in marriages um, that are just fighting over things that are so esoteric and so unrelated to their actual relationship. And mm -hmm. you're seeing it at work too. We've had a number of clients in the last couple of weeks talk to us about the fact that how do you bring people back together when they have such incredibly divisive views on topics that everyone's talking about? Yeah, normally we're pretty um, jovial about it, right? It's like state of origin or some sport teams are playing each other or, hey, there's my buddy from Queensland. <laughs> but, and we had state of origin, but this is a kind of a bit bigger, <laughs> a bit bigger than that, right? Yeah, this is a bit bigger where it's not just that team is better than us or we're better than them or, you know, a bit tribal. That's sort of, that, that can be sort of fun, you know, a bit of, let a bit of steam off and drink a beer together. But this is very different. This is assuming that, Whoever's not in your tribe is a complete idiot, not worthy of any attention. And that worthlessness of anyone who doesn't agree with you is, is incredibly disrespectful and hurtful and divides us in so many ways. And you can't talk back to it because it's also, it's almost like it's, it's a given around the world that we've divided this way. Yeah. And I found that interesting here. I, I won't even touch on um, like who, who won the election per se about results or anything. Because I think, as like, I don't understand it deeply enough to be thoughtful on that. Yeah. Uh, I have news, but it's an opinion only. But what I do think is interesting is just how, how you were either red or you were blue. You couldn't really be, hey, I'm purple, or hey, I think other things are important. It was yeah. like, you were red or blue. And even the division in the way people voted, I found fascinating as an observer of people. It's like, if you are red, you physically showed up and put your vote in a box, and if you were blue, you did it effectively remotely by post. Yes, a box, but not really in person. Um, uh, and that was really stuck. And you saw that coming through as they were kind of counting and tallying votes. It was like, 
in a lot of ways it was in one direction in red, even though it might've been expected to be blue and then things get counted. And yeah. just the way that people, the division of voter was like almost two different elections in a way. Um, yeah. Uh, which I found fascinating. Yeah. And I think when we step away from politics, um, this divide in, in COVID cases, I mean, the data that Sarah is just quite remarkable is that it's certainly divided by age. And while we're talking about older people, because they're the people who often lose their lives to it, um, the youth impact on it and the impact on youth employment, for example, is quite dramatic. The impact on culturally linguistic communities, linguistically diverse communities, both in Australia and America and England, all countries, um, yeah. not just naming those three, but all of them. Um, it's people who have less agency over the way they work and live. People who have less power are getting COVID more often and more often are dying of it. And that's a massive divide to say that, the, you know, the colour of your skin or you know, what neighbourhood you live in will determine whether or not you live or die by something that is exactly the same disease that someone else is getting in different circumstance. Yeah, and we've been talking about that all the way through this, like as soon as it was even a thing, it's like that idea of essential work, non-essential work, socioeconomic status, are we brave enough to face into that? But they're the big themes that people are really starting to kind of think about, uncover, and in some ways it's causing divisiveness and in some ways it always has, in, uh, but... I think it's going to be an ongoing and really important topic that people are going to get to more and more and try and work through, uh, or at least that's the hope, I guess. Yeah, so, so let's sort of just to set a little bit of a scene. When we talk about division yeah. and opportunity, that, that's sort of where we're talking about. So when we talk back to primary school maths, we've got eight <laughs> apples and two hungry kids and each kid gets four, whereas what yeah. we're talking about is you've got eight apples, two hungry kids, and one gets an apple and a half and the other one gets half. And there's an emotional reaction to that. People feel it's unfair and, and it's not right and, and, and they have a, a big loaded reaction to it. Yeah, it's not mass. It's not an even division. It's not like eight over, like you said, eight over four is two or, or eight over two is four or whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second. My practice <laughs> is not good. <laughs> it, struggles, it struggles later in the evening. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's that unevenness that, Actually, the maths don't always stack up, or they're not even one does not yeah. equal equal one. Yeah, um, this is really key. What about? And I think that makes sense. It's kind of about splits. We started thinking as well, and it was my fault. Um, but we started thinking about things like, hey, actually, division happens at work in terms of divisions, like divisions of a company, but also how we divvy up the work, how things get done, uh, how we separate responsibilities, and in some ways that makes sense, but. I kind of like where things come together and the intersections of work and uh, we'll kind of, it's probably worth us talking a little bit about that as well, about, you know, your lane versus the organisation and things like that. Yeah, because if you, if you, the way that we've been designing work forever has been this really divided way, like your role does it, my role does that, swim yeah. lanes, no one can touch any other, other person's work, this is efficient. Um, but yep. the way that we've got problems and, and realities to solve now is we have to think quite differently, to divide them differently, to let people see into each other's world. We're also not expected, like in the past, we did our job really, really, really well until someone gave us a slightly better one. And then we got promoted and did a different job really, really, really well. Now what yeah. we're talking about is that part, because of the rapid changes and growth and expectations at work, you sort of need people to be thinking about their job that's 75% really good and they're doing it really well and 25% growth challenge, things they don't know, things that they could learn. And so that's a very different way of coming at your job. You're not going to be great at it every day. You're going to be pretty good at it most of the time. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And if you think about it, I guess what's sprung to my mind as we're talking is um, actually all the way through from when we're really little, we start getting divided in a way, in, in many ways, right? It's like, hey, Rhonda, you are in second class and your brother who's a little older than you is in fourth class. And if we think about this, so you're always kind of getting divided into groups in different ways. And so we're kind of conditioned to be divided where it'd be awesome if we spent more time being conditioned on coming together. Yeah, that, that's yeah. beyond. That is the conversation you and I have been having and the team is to sort of say in this world of massive division where we're super divided, what are the three or four things that we could do that would stop those divisions being as pronounced or as painful as they currently are? So I think we've come up with four that are pretty good. So let's start with the first one because it was yours and I think it's a really good one. Yeah, and I probably jumped into it earlier because I really like this idea. I think and, and it's something that our team shares in whatever their career, life, work experience has been, is uh, appreciate and then blur and cross over boundaries or don't see the edges. So I think all of us have had experience where we say, hey, I love people and culture work. I'm working in a people and culture job in some way, shape or form, whatever that is. But hey, now there's, there's other stuff out there. It's not standalone. It's not a little swim lane or division that just sits there and does whatever it does. Uh, it's got to look at other things. The example I have for this is like, I think HR and finance go together really importantly for a range of like very tactical reasons and some bigger ones. But I think if you're motivating people, the best way to undo that is it is not getting payroll right. And even though people are like, oh, payroll, whatever. But finance is great at doing that. Effectively, finance does that in procurement all the time. Uh, it's good at paying suppliers. Not saying that our people are merely suppliers like it's really they're really important as our suppliers but if we're great at running that machine why would we not be thinking about how we do that together so it's it's those intersections where i think the best work happens where it makes sense where you find what people like where you find things that weren't possible and, and where you can innovate so i really like kind of knowing where the lines are and then basically getting the eraser together to rub them out to see what else you could do and i think that's really important if we're thinking about division is where can people come together where they might not have thought they could before yeah, so if you're bringing your team together or you're trying to get people to think about it, I think they are the first two things to do is one, appreciate differences and where the person can offer something into what you're trying to do together that's actually really valuable and you you form that as appreciation. I think that's really great. Appreciate it and bring people together, respect what their contribution is. Um, the second one is this divide of blurring the line so that it's not that's your job, that's my job, but actually what, do we, what can we do together and how do we move it together? And I think yeah. the last two that I think are really important one is creating community, and that's that. What are, what are we in together? What can we do together? What what is the value of us hanging together? And doing that at work becomes super important at the moment when so many other things are divided. And the last one is probably the simplest one of them all, and I think that's just listening to each other. It's that, you know, every time I pick up Twitter or something like that, I'm not a huge Twitter sort of fanatic, but you pick mm. it up and there's just someone screaming an opinion of how incredibly right they are. And then someone else yelling at them back how incredibly stupid they are. And it's, okay, that's hardly a conversation. Like you're not going to learn a lot from telling someone they're a moron or being told that you're a moron. So it's almost like you need to stop, listen, and, and really deeply understand where they're coming from. Ask questions about why they believe what they believe or why they're doing what they do. And then not be smug about your opinion. So even, even in politics, when you're looking at the other side of politics is not you know, I'm smart and you're dumb. It's, it's I'm right, you're wrong. But actually, wow, this side of politics says these things that I really admire and I can get behind, albeit I don't believe with 
agree with everything. This other side, I really like what they're doing here, but I don't agree with that. So I think it's more nuanced than just goodies and baddies. And I think as human beings, we probably can grow past that a little bit. Yeah, and I think, and you've put it, um, you know, whenever we're speaking, but also uh, on podcasts previously, and I really love it. So if I can just throw it in on on both of those, creating community and deeply listening uh, as well, is we talk about how you build relationships, how you build really strong foundations of them. You often use an analogy about building a bridge, and I always go to it. In my mind, it's always there. Not only are there beautiful bridges, but I'm like, it just makes sense, is you're not just building a tiny piece of a bridge. You need to build at least your half when you're coming to a relationship. They need to build at least a half so there's crossover and you come together. I feel like at the moment, the issue is people, you know, someone over here who's whatever they are is building 48%, maybe less. And over here's 48 and there's this gap in the middle and the risk is stuff keeps falling down there, but it's really important stuff. It's not like, oh no, I dropped a wrapper um, down there. It's like big critical stuff and we need to kind of, if people have that mindset where there's that gap, it's just not going anywhere. It doesn't make sense. They've got to come yeah. with the bridge building mindset. It is about the best relationships when you come together, whether they be in a family, at work, in community, or even in a country, is that bridge between the divides. It does have to overlap. And I love, I love it as a metaphor because I think it's so important. And if you do build 49, it doesn't matter. You don't meet. You, you know, when you want to build a bridge, you have to build it. 60% each so it overlaps and then the bind and the bit that you're together on is the strongest part of the bridge and I think that's just so incredibly important and to acknowledge that you know standing on your side of the river with no bridge and telling the other people on the other side of the river that they're complete idiots is that they're unlikely to want to build any bridge so that's going to be super unhelpful ever getting back together and you're not going to split up and have your own country team workplace family whatever it is you've got to stay together so um it's a, and it's added into by a bit of realistic understanding of what we're into. So, you know, we've all seen the social dilemma, um, which is a pretty devastating version of, of um, uh, Netflix documentaries. But it's um, sure what it is. talks to us about is the fact that, you know, when we all quote data points of how right we are and how clever we are, but actually um, the algorithms behind social media are feeding us the news stories that confirm our opinion we already had. So we're in a bubble of evidence that is already supporting us but we're actually talking to people who are in a different bubble with different evidences supporting their view and so we might not be right so just shouting facts at each other is also not helpful it is about that bridge building that deeply listening building community appreciating that need to come together and I think the nicest thing about the current moment is that there's so many people who are thinking like this that are putting down their twitter accounts or their pens or their voice and actually saying I'm going to be a bit more patient I'm going to be a bit more resolved to meet you more than halfway. Um, and I think that people are working hard at that. And we're seeing some beautiful examples of that. Yeah, there was one, Sally in our team who's in Adelaide, obviously there's some new restrictions and cases and things like that with the pandemic, which, you know, we, we think of Sally and, and everyone in Adelaide and sure will come through strong. There was such a beautiful, simple piece of marketing uh, that Sally shared with us from South Australian Police also has been a, a great partner of ours over the last few years. And it was just said, and I, I'll read it out. It just had a little heart picture and it said, we will get through this together with that heart, stay safe, SA. Yeah. And I thought that is perfect. Couldn't it's be better. perfect piece of communication, isn't it? You just go, that is absolutely all you need to say. You don't need to tell people about the strain of COVID or which family was the one who unluckily did the essential work that got it from a traveler. All of that is 
everybody gets that now. Now we, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to build this back and be okay again together? I think it's a really, really great example. I think it's the best one we've seen, isn't it? So we really like, so So in the interest of time, I'm super conscious that we like to keep these sort of short and, short and punchy. I think we are in a moment in time when a lot of bridges have been broken and there's a group of people who are determined to keep them broken. And for whatever self-interest that serves, that's where they want to live. And I guess what we're trying to do is to encourage people, particularly at work, because that's our thing, that as you come back together and you want other people to come back with you, you know, there's lots of talk also about I can make people come back when it's safe or I can't make them do it. And so sure you can. There'll be a point where you, some lawyer will give you great advice about how to do that. But the reality is you want to build a bridge so that people want to be together. And that bridge is built, we think, on four big things. So it is about appreciating the other side. As you said, James, I think that's such a great example. Accepting and acknowledging what they can offer to the whole, not just assuming that they're a minor player. Yep. The person who only gets half an apple instead of a whole one. <laughs> yep, yep. And then I think from there, the second one was all about blurring uh, and crossing the boundaries and seeing what's possible once you have that appreciation. So that crossing boundaries is sort of the second one. Yeah. I think our, our third one was about creating community. Yeah, creating community of what you're in together. What is the thing that matters? I think that South Australian example is so beautiful about that. It's not about what went yesterday. It's about what we're going to do together and how we get through it. And the last one is just listening. Stop yelling. Stop screaming. Don't assume your evidence is better than everybody else's. Just listen deeply to what the other person's got to say and see where you can find things that you have in common and you agree. And I think that that is so important in that building 60% of the bridge. I love that. that. That's the way to end it. Great talking to you about division, even though I think we're together on all of these things. In our view. agreement on division. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we're, not, and we're not into maths, but thanks for listening. Uh, we're usually very into maths. I think we've caught us on a bad maths set, but good one. <laughs> I'm not sure if I got the yeah the, the numbers right, but um, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Uh, as always, uh, check us out on uh, www.moi.live. Uh, you've got the podcast. You can sign up to, to our ADM or just get in touch uh, by email. Best way to do that wherever you are in the world is team at moi.live. And I think that's a big moi from us, Rhonda. And a big good night to you, James Hancock. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <Mwah. laughs>